In decades past, you opened a business, hung out your shingle, and the customers came. Today, hanging out your shingle means creating an engaging website. The modern consumer is using the Internet to find businesses like yours. Are you positioned so you'll rise to the top of their search? Let the Radio Vermont Group Digital Services work with you to make sure you're visible online and to target your marketing to location, demographic, and interest. Learn more at rvgdigital.com. Good morning, everyone. This is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Joining me by phone from Mexico, yes, I said Mexico, is, I believe, Lauren Isaacs, who is the mother of our guest, of my guest, who is Mirabai Rose Isaac, and she is a traumatic brain injury survivor. Mom, are you on the phone, or do I have Mirabai? Yeah. Yes, we're both on the phone. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning, my dear. How are you both? It's early where you are. Yes, it is. We've been, <laughs> we've been up since 6 o'clock Whoa. in the dark. So. Sorry about that. But anyway, I wanted to tell you all that I met Mirabai many years ago um, when I was Deputy Commissioner of Education. Mirabai had been in an incredible car crash, which she will talk about with Mom, uh, which left her with a traumatic brain injury. Um, after she was in recovery, she met, I don't know how, but she met Carol Rose from the Department of Education and um, through Carol started to talk to high school students about the dangers of drinking and driving and what happened to her. And uh, Mirabai, I found a video on YouTube where you were talking to driver's education students at the Essex Technical Center. It was a very, very powerful uh, video and... Um, uh, Mirabai and I talked, and you should talk. And thank you for wanting and being able to talk about all of this, what happened to you, because I think kids need to hear this. And we also need to talk about the word invincible, um, which Mirabai will explain. So talk about your high school days a little bit, Mirabai. I know you did carpentry with Dad and some modeling for a local photographer, um, and you were working to buy a car in high school. Yes, exactly what you do when you're 15 years old. <laughs> but um, I went to high school and I had kind of an attitude because it, it didn't really feel like where I was supposed to be. <laughs> but um, but I tried to distract myself from working and earning money and stuff and... Yeah, I worked for my father for a weekend now and then. Nice. But it wasn't like a real regular thing. Yeah. Well, that's why I was working at, but I was working regularly at a health food store in downtown Montpelier. And I had my first bank account at Howard Bank across the street. Cool. Well, I have a I have a feeling a lot of high school kids, myself included, f- felt the same about high school that it wasn't quite where you should be. So I can relate to that. Um, and you obviously you had um, <clears throat> two accidents. Maybe if you feel comfortable, you can talk about uh, those two and um, sure. what happened. Uh, the second one, I have a date here somewhere. It's September nineteenth, nineteen ninety three. Yeah. A year and a half after I had graduated from high school, and 
So that first car wreck I had, I, I was just on my way to my friend's house from the graduation with a few friends in the car. And and I wasn't taking anything, but we were just on our way to a party for whatever was going to happen there. And I was mainly just feeding and feeling good and as high <laughs> as a kite, you know. Right. So I went, I went too fast around the corner, and I flipped the car over boulder and stuff on the other side, other side of the road. And... And I flew out the window and landed on the back of my neck to a somersault. So that that didn't have didn't make quite the impression on me that it probably should have. Right. Because it wasn't for a year later, a year and a half later that I I went on the road and I probably shouldn't have. Because I had drinking, I had drinking some wine, drank wine with my best friend, and and anyway, I came around the corner fast, and I think I deer. It was right in the beginning of deer season, and it was the first frost on the road. So, I think what happened is I came onto a deer. And I swerved to miss the deer, and I took a tree instead. And the tree gave me a traumatic brain injury. Right. And you were in that and car for a joke. Yeah, you were in the car for a long time before somebody found you, were you not? Yeah, five or six hours before I was found, discovered. Wow. By a local newspaper man who woke up early for work and came out on the road and passed my car and saw it. So he called the local rescue squad and they found me in Marshfield. Wow. So you were, so they brought to the UVM and you were in a coma and for quite a while, right? For two two and a half months. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. And my mother was in the Ronald McDonald house, and my sister was across the street going to college. So, well, that's good. That's good that you yeah. had family there for sure. Um, Lauren, may I ask you, Ronald McDonald House is is such a treasure here in Vermont. I know several people who have stayed there, and what a blessing. Yes, I do have to say it's a little ironic. I think I've never had a mcdonald hamburger in my life but uh, <laughs> but i give great thanks a really infinite thanks to ronald mcdonald houses all over the yep. country i yep. believe um we lived in uh you know on dirt road in east montpelier so any kind of commute to the hospital oh. every day for almost six months would have been totally crazy so I had my own little room, and there was always food in the refrigerator. And basically, I only just slept there at night. I got up early in the morning, showered, and went right to the hospital. Um, both while Mira was in her coma and also during the months of rehab in the rehabilitation center right. across from the hospital, which was just 
of course, a terrible but amazing experience. The people there were so supportive, so open to some of my, I guess you'd say, sort of weird ideas. I was one of the first massage therapists in Montpelier in the 70s, so a lot of my friends um, all came in to do all sorts of um, alternative healings, let's say. Right. Well, they say that people in comas can hear you. I don't know how they prove that, but it's good that they hear voices of the people that they love. And how long uh, before, um, Mirabai, how long before you actually started to do PT? Because you had to learn things all over again, right? I mean, eating, talking, a, a, a laundry list of skills that we take for granted. Sure. I had to learn everything again. And I believe they were bringing me physical therapy, even while I was still in the coma. Ah. In fact, I remember being put on in a standing machine and looking down and seeing my mother and my friends looking at me and just total wonder and grief and pain and stuff. I was actually holding her head up on the standing machine and at that time, she had a feeding tube in. Uh. She'd had a tracheostomy. She had a brain um, a measure stuck and planted in her skull. So it was really quite the unbelievable. Experience. And I was very impressed with the both medical care and right. the positive attitude that all the nurses and doctors yeah. had in that. At, it is amazing what they can do, and I know that um, I know some folks over in human services who deal with um, with people with uh, traumatic brain injuries uh, at, in state government, and the services that they offer in this state, and I'm sure in many other states, um, it's just phenomenal what what they can do these days. Um, can we? I want to just switch a little bit. Because um, you're calling from Mexico, and Mirabai, you have a home here in Vermont. Vermont was uh, was where this all happened, and you've got a, a land and a home here, but you also have a place in Mexico and Arizona still. Nevada, Oh, Nevada. I'm sorry, I don't know why I said um, uh, New Orleans, uh, but anyway, so you've got three places to. To go and and you sure do. You spend your year traveling and tell everybody. I always ask you why you love Mexico and you're doing so much stuff uh, in Mexico right now. I'd love you to talk about that. What's keeping you busy? Yes, yeah, wonderful. I'm in a community of people who didn't know me back then, so they, they I am who I am, and this is what they know of me and stuff. So anyway, down here I go to Spanish class with Canadian and American sailors twice a week. And after that, I go, I volunteer at a kids' club. Great. And and that's a new experience for me, but it's a great place to nice. be. And it's just a straight walk from our house here in town. But I'm spending time with children and, and it's also it's like a whole other lesson in Spanish and learning to hear like small town cultures and speak to each other because they they don't speak all the same stuff I learned in school. 
but they also have a little bit of <laughs> tougher time understanding me. So I'm not trusted with groups of kids alone. <laughs> well, I love it when you FaceTime me and you're on the beach somewhere where we're freezing to death. Um, when you're working with the kids, Mirabai, do you talk about that word invincible? Because that word, I think, has impacted I every kid that you've every teenager that you've talked to and um uh, talked in groups could you talk about that feeling of invincibility and um what lesson that you're trying to teach these kids Sure um yeah the kids I'm working with here in Mexico are little kids, Oh little so okay talking about that but um but in when I spoke in the United States and when you're in high school, you know, I, I mean, I was invincible too. I didn't even consider anything bad could ever happen to me. And so I thought I could do what I wanted, go where I wanted, go as fast as I wanted. And, and the truth is that and the choices and decisions you make in an instant. Yeah. In an instant of not paying attention or something. That shows you that you're not so invincible after all. Right. And I think you said that first accident because you sort of walked away from a pretty bad accident and that's where that uh, feeling of invincibility yeah. got stronger. Yeah, that first accident, my good friend rolled out her window and landed on a boulder. Oh. So, so yeah, she got like 200 stitches in her head. Oh, my word. And then, uh, but I rolled out my, flew out my window, landed on the back of my neck and just zipped up and... <laughs> well, thank God that you all and, were okay and, after a while. Right, but I did learn to wear my seatbelt. Yeah. You know, and put it in my mind's eye at least to consider... Right. Hey there, this is Brian. Wearing seatbelt wasn't a law. Ah, that's true. That was a that was a while ago. Lauren, did you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, just I'd like to butt in for a minute. That was a really significant reason that saved Mira's life. You know, we make fun of those expressions, seatbelt save lives. But the fact is she had her seatbelt on, she smashed into the tree. She was basically dying for five hours. Right. I think her head was hanging down, so she wasn't breathing properly and getting enough oxygen in. However, her body was completely unharmed. Huh. The only little thing she had was a broken wrist on her left arm. But other than that, she was not smashed up. Her head didn't go through the windshield. And the seatbelt really did save her life. That's great. Even though she was pretty catastrophically damaged to a brain injury. Well, I think, and she mentioned your life can change in an instant, and that is so true. Um, none of us wake up in the morning thinking something awful is going to happen. You just go through your day, and it doesn't take much, does it? And, and not only my life, but the lives of my family, my mother, my two right. sisters. And my entire group of friends in the Central Vermont community. Right. You know? 
everybody's life. Yeah, but you have you are doing so fabulous. I I really admire you. Every time we get together for lunch, of course, I drive you crazy that you sometimes don't use your cane. But um, uh, but she um, you know, she has a little difficulty walking, but she gets her. She doesn't let that stop her. She just moves right along. Um, and be proud of me here in Mexico. <laughs> I, do, I do use a water walker. Oh, good. I'm glad so to I, hear that. So be- I can independently walk myself home from volunteering and stuff. That's good. And and then yeah, really helps me get across the cobblestone streets and everything. Well, I'm yeah. glad that you're using that. That makes me feel better because I'm I was like a little mother hen. Although you right now have your guardian angel right next to you, because um, you've always told me how much you appreciate everything that your mom um, has done for you and and your whole family for that matter. I met Dad one time. We went to breakfast uh, one day. I've got a great picture of uh, the three of us. Um, and um, and I think somewhere along the line you said how many kids from high school, your friends from high school, came to visit you and encouraged you to keep going. So. Um, that's a really cool thing. That's nice. So you were telling me that right now, and I've been looking it up. Um, I can't find the word. Neuroplasticity is something that you are very involved in in Mexico. Could you, could you, and maybe your mom could help a little bit talk about neuroplasticity and what that means, what it's doing for you, and how how you got involved in it. The way I understand it is just that. Neuroplasticity is my brain's capacity to grow and redevelop and sprout new channels and stuff. And so down here, I I attend Spanish class and I take notes like a schoolgirl and a trapper keeper. But um, I'm not really learning about neuroplasticity. I'm just observing it in action. So it's it's tools to help you remember. Is that what I'm hearing, Lauren? Is that uh, right? Um, well, I I think perhaps Mira talked to you about a book that she was reading. Um, I think on the trip here from Vermont. Um, I do want to clarify a little bit about our multiple um, sort of gypsy dwellings <laughs> that we have. Sure, go ahead. It sort of sounds like we're you know rich. I was and we're not. I was a single parent with three little kids. Mira actually didn't even meet her father until she was almost 10. So he has kind of stepped up in the last, more recently, she actually spent a month with him. Last year, he came out to um, Nevada and stayed in our house for a month. Great. And um, so we do live sort of a gypsy life. We have some land. We sold our house in Vermont. We have some land and an off-grid little you know, shed cabin in Vermont. We have a pretty funky Mexican house in Mexico. We still don't have a kitchen sink, and we wash dishes out back in the concrete, you know, Mexican right. that are sort of traditional in the old houses. Um, and Mira does have a nice house in a senior community in Nevada that she inherited when her husband died about 10 years ago. So neuroplasticity really is just what she said. It's it's the new, relatively new awareness that if the brain is damaged, there still is some capacity for new connections, new, new neur, neuron 
neurotransmitter connections. So it's not really techniques. My approach, which I learned mostly from a book that somebody gave me Mm. called The Catastrophe of Coma, has been to expose Mira to many what I would call normal, for our family, normal activities. And we had been to Mexico once in an old Toyota car the year before her accident. So one of my feelings is we had to get back to doing some oh, kind of crazy activities. So Mira would not feel like she was just living in a hospital-type environment. Right. So that's when we came to Mexico Um Really, in search of a miracle, I'd say, we met some people that were involved with a shaman in a little village called Santa Maria del Oro, and they invited us down for healing, which was a very interesting, I would say, more sociological experience of being in a little village with mostly Huichol people, who are the indigenous people here in Mex- in our area of Mexico. Um, there were no miracles, but it is what brought us into this this village that we're in now of La Cruz de Guanacaste. Um, and right now the village has changed. We have many what we call tourists. I've been here almost now for 30 years since the year after Mira's accident. We started coming here. Now it's changed into a bit more of a tourist village with lots of Canadians and Americans, are, and they're building condos and things like that, which is sort of a weird thing, but that's what happens in sunny climates. And the one thing that's great about this place is the sun shines almost every day. Right. Mira can get out and walk independently. She is having some trouble walking now. Huh. Um, we're both getting older. I'm 74 47. So <laughs> well, and thank God you were able to take take the time to be with her 24-7 because um, <clears throat> I think it's you have seen, I'm sure, a remarkable change in her since all this happened. I have, and I see her maybe once or twice a year, um, and we keep in touch through FaceTime. Um which I keep calling her accidentally, but that's another story altogether. That's because I'm 80. But anyway, I, I, I see the difference in her and, and she's always so positive. That's, that's what makes me feel good being with her is that she's always up. But she anyway. is. that's a sort of a bizarre aspect of her particular brain injury. Oh, really? And I have to say it's been really amazing for me because I have met people with traumatic brain injury right. since her accident um, who tend to be chronically depressed. Huh. Well, so I think that the brain is still a very mysterious part of our body. Of course, it's a very essential part of our body. And it can be affected in many different ways. Okay. And Lauren, I, um, I had a, did a show a couple of months ago with a friend of mine who wrote a book with uh, several of his friends about being a caregiver and how important it is, the message was, to take care of yourself while you're busy taking care of somebody else. Um, could you talk a little bit about uh, being a caregiver for all these years? And um, um, you were pretty much it. Okay, <laughs> sure. That's a 
I think that's a really good and important question, and it's something that I have um, probably at times neglected uh, in myself. Certainly during the first couple of years, my whole focus was really on just being with Mira, getting Mira, you know, into the shower, getting Mira into the bathroom, you know, doing all those kind of day-to-day life um, things. Oh, we, we, I remember teaching her how to chew. I had to say, chew, 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 and now swallow, because something weird happens to the whole swallowing mechanism during brain injury. And she still does frequently choke a little bit sometimes when she's eating, which mm. is a little scary for me. So I, I have actually had to deal with what I would consider a form of PTSD. I chose to be in the hospital with Mira just about full time. I chose to go and see the inside of her brains and her swallowing tests and be present when they slit her wrist open to take the pins out from her, you know, broken right. wrist. So in a way I sort of exposed myself to some pretty scary um, situations, both in the hospital and, in the years afterward, um, I am trying more and more to do um, to do my breathing exercises. And here in Mexico, I have access to yoga classes, which I which I go to in trade for giving the teacher massages. Ah. So those are ways that I do try and remember to. Um, you know, that especially as I'm getting older, which, of course, you understand as well, yeah. we need to almost put more attention to ourselves in order to be, um, you know, decent human beings. So I do want to say that I'm not always such an angel. <laughs> um, sometimes I really lose my patience. Sometimes I get scared. Sometimes I have these little kind of panic attacks. When I get nervous that Mira is going to fall over. Oh, that's me. And of course, yeah, I, I know you understand that. Yeah. You've been with Mira. And, um, and it, that doesn't go away. So I really have had to work on myself emotionally and psychologically to realize that this is our life. We are partners now, yeah. um, which I cherish. It's amazing for me because... My other two daughters are living and working in New York, and I don't see them very often. I don't see my grandchildren very often. We really do not have the money to fly this way and that way, you know, so we right. do driving in my old Subaru, and we do come <laughs> to the Northeast. Um, so being a caregiver is an amazing position, and I am very blessed to have Mira being such a sweet and loving and devotional daughter. Very nice. She tells me every day how much she loves me. And many of my friends do acknowledge that they see. Well, I know I I learned from this, of the show I did with uh, my friend, how important, and and you're right, you get so caught up in, in the duties that you kind of forget about yourself. And it's really important for you, but also for the individual you're taking care of to make sure you stay healthy. And I know, I know how much she loves you and appreciates all that you do. Mirabai, you want to jump in here and 
you can talk about mom. Hardly <laughs> behind her back. <laughs> <laughs> but no, my mom is my ideal mom in the world. I couldn't have chosen anyone better. You know, your mom brought up something I was, I thought if I ask this question, I'm going to sound so naive. Uh, but that never stopped me before. So, um, when you were talking about teaching Mirabai how to swallow, I mean, all the things that, that uh, you had to learn, Mirabai, I can't imagine how you teach somebody to, to swallow, to, yeah. to talk. I mean, how, that must have been very difficult. A lot of, a lot of setbacks, I would think. Well, I mean, you know, these, all each of these things just requires slowing down and paying full attention. Yeah. Which we don't usually do in life, you know, when we know how to do everything or, or you've grown up doing something the same way all your life, you don't think you need to pay attention. Yep. I agree. But we take things for granted. But when I don't pay attention, I choke like crazy. Huh. And I start coughing and I interrupt every conversation that's going on and make everyone nervous around me. You know, my mom is the only one who's like, but was affected by this. But all my friends and people I'm speaking to are a little on edge because they know. So when when uh, you came out of the coma, you found that you weren't able to communicate either. Um, no eating, no communicating, yeah. and I'm assuming no writing. But you've come a long way since then. Um, it, well, I'll tell you that I had the thoughts in my head, yep, and I could see what sentence I write. Just knew by what I wanted to communicate, uh, and words does game to me. Huh. That must have been very frustrating. I, I would think. Capacity. Yep. <laughs> it was, and it still is a little bit because I I can't even imagine what other people think of me. Or I think they think I you're fabulous. So don't worry yeah, a bit. I know, but I know, but I'm at a lunch table and every. You know, the question always comes out eventually. What's going on? What happened to you and stuff? And so I just had to watch, witness myself during that phase. Well, I think it's very wonderful, brave of you to want to talk and, and comfortable talking about what happened because there's such a lesson to learn, um, especially for, for teenagers and, and, uh, kids just learning to drive that it doesn't take very much, it takes one mistake, one, one error in judgment. And, um, you've got, uh, a lifetime ahead of you of struggles, but I think and one lapse of attention. Exactly. Exactly. And, in a major extent of what can happen. Right, know. right. Well, I think that is wonderful. I remember the Department of Ed talking about you when you would talk to um, uh, to students and the impact you had on them. I think one 
uh, young girl told you that she would never drink and drive again ever after listening to you. And if that's just one child saved, yeah, right. uh, changed her behavior because of you, yeah. um, that's a great and thing. During, during those months, Patricia, I received countless letters yeah. from like, like reaction papers and stuff to my talk. Huh. And I would ask every group to, like, I would ask teachers to um, give them extra credit and stuff if they went home and wrote an immediate response letter nice. to my presentation. Well, I remember seeing you walking around Montpelier with a helmet on your head in the beginning because they had to protect um, all the all the surgeries and the and the work and and that they had done. Uh-huh. I remember when I first met you, um, you were you were really struggling along. But um, how brave of you to want to talk about this? And I I will mention again. I know uh, some people in human services that uh, meet with people with traumatic brain injuries. Those who want to want to work, um, they work with them to try to find um, a job that that they can do. Um, and obviously make money and get paid and, and, uh, the things we, we all like to do. And, um, I think all, yeah. m- most states have really focused on helping, uh, people with traumatic brain injury. Yeah, that was through a lot of, I worked with vocational rehabilitation yep. and I actually never got employed by anyone because I just, Wanting to focus on completing my education and stuff. Right. I, oh. I would like to just break in here. For yeah, a please, Lauren. Mira did spend 12 years going to community college and I think an extension program at Johnson State. She actually did receive her BA, um, uh, you know, after many years and a lot of support through her educational process. The real reason I think that Mira did not get a job is because in the middle of that, she did spend um, over 10 years. Um, she met a man at the coffee shop in Montpelier, the <laughs> coffee corner in Montpelier, an older man who was retired, and he was very nice to her, and he really didn't want her to work. He wanted to be able to travel. So she did a lot of traveling with him, things that she never did with her um, mother (laughs) growing up, you know, in in the woods in Vermont. So she got to go to Europe and different cruises, and um, Alaska has very many very interesting, memorable experiences that I think in – in different ways were really part of her recovery as well, just I getting bet. to know the world and then having challenging experiences. He really became quite disabled. He died about 10 years ago, and I ended up taking care of both oh, of them Lauren. for a while, you know, <laughs> during that time. Right. So I just want to express, um, while we're on this local radio station, like really gratitude to the whole community, especially the Montpelier and extended community. People even in churches that we never went to, um, the dance teacher invited her to come back to dance classes, which she did some, Um, different therapists like, um, you know, the acupuncturist worked to help bring back her smile 
her wonderful teachers came to visit um, and do art, you know, some art classes with her um, when she even couldn't walk, but they came to the house in the middle of the winter. We were home back in the house by February of 94. So I just feel like I've never really expressed that publicly. Oh, thank you. Just was so involved, you know, and that includes you, Pat, for really helping her come out of herself and um, be able to, um, you know, express to other people how how both traumatic this experience has been, but also what beautiful connections right. have been made through this process of being a somewhat public face. There were a lot of articles written about her in the Times Argus newspaper, so people we didn't even know, you know, sometimes yep. recognized her. <laughs> yep. Well, I had I had lunch yesterday with a friend who I said I'm interviewing Mirabai uh, tomorrow on the show, and oh, I remember Mirabai. She's part of the education community, and I think yeah. uh, Mirabai has left uh, uh, an impression, a wonderful impression. Uh, with so many people in Vermont oh, here in, in this area. You know, in fact, that familiarity is exactly how I met Carol Rose. Yep. While I was just after the coma, um, my local, my hospital store where I work had put a picture up for a donation can for my mom and I coming out and stuff. And Carol Rose noticed that picture. Huh. And Put my mind, put my name in her back pocket. And then 10 years later. No, not that long. No, 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 no. A few years later, she actually called my mom. Great. And, and made the connection, you know. That's how I started speaking on the Vermonters Impact panel. That's great. Yeah. That's really, and I think you're, so, um, Lauren, you make a great point and we talk about Vermonters when there's, when there's uh, like flooding and all kinds of things that if it, they just come out of the woodwork to help and it can be an individual like Mirabai or, you know, a whole town down for the count. So, um, um, it's a great community we live in and, um, I forget sometimes. So I'm glad we had this show it reminds me about how lucky we all are here. Um, because it's, um, it's a great place to live. So we have about another 10 minutes or so. Um, maybe Mirabai, what's, what's next for you? Um, anything in the horizon other than your travels? And I think, um, your place in Nevada, um, it's, that sounds such a beautiful place. Um, I'm assuming it's a condo and it's a senior retirement place. So yeah. you must be surrounded by all sorts of people that want to yeah. help you. Actually, Patricia, this is, I have a separate house. Oh. And so it's nice. It's a community of people. And we all do like, like there's a ceramic studio, a stained glass studio, a glass fusing studio. Great. And you can explore and learn different things. And I'm part of a writer's workshop there. And, but. What's next on the horizon for me? It's yet to be determined. <laughs> More of the same. I think you, you... I have a feeling I've got a 
book on my belt. Do you really? That would be amazing. I've been cooking a book for 30 years, Patricia. Well, you've got a lot to say. That would be an amazing book. Yeah, and so maybe it's about time for me to settle down and write it. Yeah, well, and and you're uh, if you're in a writer's club, you got a little practice there on how to. And I noticed around I have a friend of mine who's writing a book, and and there's so many classes around here about how to, how to write a book and how to put it together. So, um, well, that would be exciting. We'd know you when. That would be pretty cool. You know, I I would like to say if there is anyone who listens to your show or anyone in the community that remembers Mira. Um, she did have a fairly public face in town for yep. a while and really doesn't anymore. I'm, I'm amazed when I, I was just in Montpelier this last summer, which was pretty upsetting. I was, wasn't, I was there alone. Her sisters took care of Mira in New York and it was a chance for her to visit with her family and her, um, nephew and two nieces that my other daughters have children. But I barely recognize anyone in Mom. I know years. it's changed. I, I know that there are people who do remember Mira, and if there was somebody, it would have to be probably a long distance communication, sort of like you and Mira have. But I think Mira would love to share her story in a small format type book. I know there's all sorts of amazing techno things that I don't know anything about. Right. You know, just small publishing of of memoirs and yep. things, and I think that would be great, but Mira would need some support in doing that. She well, I, and I think there's there's so many lessons to be learned from from uh, Mirabai's um, handling of this situation for all of us to learn from Mirabai as an example of how to overcome adversity. Um, I titled this show Personal Transformation Through Adversity, because um that's what she's done and i think she's there's a lot of lessons to be learned here from her and it would be a shame to have some of these um stories and lessons um um not written down and we should all learn from them so um i think the, I think the first lesson is not about overcoming but rather accepting ah circumstances of life as they right. are and yeah. recognizing how little or how much power and control we have over impacting each, each, each situation and, and all the people in our lives, you know, our families yeah. and our communities of people. And the truth is that your life can change in a split second because of one lapse of attention or one dumb choice you make or Yep, right. So Lauren, I just got the producer um just got a, a request from somebody. How do they contact you and or Mirabai? Um, I don't know if you're comfortable giving out personal information. They can certainly contact me and I can forward it on, whichever you prefer. This is one of those serendipitous moments just before you said that. I was thinking that perhaps you could um, give out Mira's. Yep. Let me check with her. Is that okay? Oh, no. You could on the air give out Mira's um, email information, which you have. Um, you could also 
give out my email information. I am not a techno person. I have something like 57,000 unread <laughs> emails. <laughs> yeah. However, if, you know, I really would like to be involved in this as a mother-daughter um, sort of communication to not just people of the world who are struggling no. with brain injury. For sure. But, you know, this this concept of how in an instant our lives can change and how important it is to be conscious of the the blessing of life in each moment that we have because we never know right you know what's going to happen tomorrow so do i have mirabai's permission to give out her email address oh yes of course you do okay so we've only got about three minutes left so um okay. here it goes folks the okay. number six well it's six mira m-i-r-a three at gmail.com so six mira three at gmail.com. Yours is a little more tricky. Let me pull it up. Uh, I, I, could, I could say it. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Why don't you? Cause okay. I, <clears throat> okay, it's a funny combination of my father's initials and his birth date and my initials. So he had a funny name, Elmer Bramwell Isaac. So it's E as in egg, B as in boy, I as in Isaac, 19... 19- Twelve one nine one two L as in Lauren V as in Vicky I as in Isaac at yahoo.com. Excellent. So and uh, and if you if it, I nineteen twelve L V I at yahoo.com. And anybody who didn't get that can reach me um, Pat McDonald four 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 at gmail.com and I will uh, send the information to you. Thank you both very much for coming on the show. Um, I want to thank you very much. You're welcome, sweetie. You're doing this work. You're, you're very welcome. Look forward to seeing you next time you're here in Vermont. Uh, this is Pat McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. Stay tuned. We have one of my other favorite subjects um, coming up is talking about the USS Vermont, our nuclear power submarine that was named after Vermont, and we'll be right back. <laughs> 